So good evening, friends. Uh, thanks for being here tonight on this first Tuesday of February in 2021. Uh, it's very nice to see you all and, and to be here with you, uh, to be in community uh, apart together. That's what it feels like. And I was mentioning the other day how uh, even though I'm sitting here uh, with by myself and with Corey in the room, it uh, feels like you're all here. So I'm glad that you're out there and I'm glad you're in your places. Uh, this theme of openness has been really alive for me, mostly since since the end of summer and into the fall and into the current times. Um, I think uh, when, when the pandemic first started and we were all wondering if we would be opening the center, you know, in August and we set a date uh, of opening in October, uh, thinking that was years away and here it is now in February. And very early in that, in that time, in that pandemic, I noticed that I was starting to go very uh, inward, as I think a lot of us were, as we were, as I was leaving a, a job, uh, staying home with the kids, in, and uh, kind of not doing as many social activities, not meeting with spiritual community and all of those things that kind of directed me inward. And what I noticed uh, happening was that I tried to continually push my energy outward as, at the same time. And I very quickly became burned out, uh, became tired of Zoom uh, meetings. I became weary of um, reading or hearing about the news of connecting, uh, connecting to people remotely, uh, not just Zoom, but via telephone and, and all those aspects. And it put me on a path of this exploration of openness. Um, and for me, what really came alive in the fall was remaining open to whatever was there, um, whatever uh, came into my uh, body, into my feelings, into my consciousness, uh, without pushing it away and without grabbing onto it. To just allow things to be. Uh, we had a very difficult and tragic uh, death of our dog uh, this summer. And we also had a lot of uh, joyful moments. Uh, we climbed to the top of Chapaquan, Chapaquan Peak uh, with the kids. And um, all of those experiences, uh, I really worked at just allowing them to be, uh, to not uh, run away from the, from the grief and the guilt of our, uh, of our dog and not to uh, grab on to the feeling of uh, joy and pride and having uh, two little kids climb to the top of, a, of their first peak. And um, 
the way that I entered into this experience of openness was really through the body. I began doing a lot of body awareness uh, and body practice and coming into coming into understanding of uh, the experiences and the sensations and the feelings in my body. Uh, and in doing that, it allowed the experiences to just be there. Um, because in, in the times when I wasn't feeling uh, great grief or pride or joy, in kind of more of the neutral times, I worked on uh, becoming aware of and conscious of my body's experiences so that when the larger feelings did come, there was a place of stability. Not that my body, not that the experiences of my body were always pleasant or uh, unpleasant, uh, but, but rather the, that space of being in the body felt very familiar. It felt very, um, very uh, solid to just be with those experiences uh, mediated through the field of the body. And what I noticed was that coming into body uh, awareness and really actively engaging with the practice of being aware of the body and being aware of what the body was experiencing um, had the effect of opening me further uh, to experience. I felt greater, um, deeper and greater uh, love and connection uh, with family, with friends, with strangers, with news articles. And likewise, uh, at times, uh, deeper sorrow, um, grief, uh, and uh, fear around what was happening in our country and what was happening uh, just even uh, on the courthouse lawn, uh, which feels like a long time ago now, but it really wasn't that far ago. And in becoming aware of those experiences and open to that experience of what was there uh, without pushing, without grasping, without trying to make it more than it was uh, in either way by pushing it away or grabbing onto it. The, the feelings and parts of, of those experiences passed through quickly. They didn't linger for a long time. They were there uh, and they hung around and then they left. And when they left, something else would come. Something else was there. So there wasn't a uh, kind of chronic or continual state of anxiety, of fear, of grief, of joy, it just kind of moved and passed and shifted. And that uh, stability of the body really allowed for um, that openness to experience to be there. And the reason I chose openness uh, today as the 
theme of, of the talk was we've been loosely basing uh, our program and our theme for the month around the 14 mindfulness trainings. And rather than picking a particular training and kind of unpacking it, it's more how does our lived experience line up with the trainings? And uh, the first mindfulness training uh, of the order of interbeing is called openness. And the last line of that training really spoke to me uh, in terms of what is happening now in our country and what has happened uh, to me in my own experience. And the last line of that is, we will train ourselves to look at everything with openness and the insight of interbeing in order to transform dogmatism and violence in ourselves and in the world. And that um, looking at the world with openness, being open to experience, being open to allowing ourselves to experience what we are experiencing, had that effect of, uh, of transformation for me. And reading that training, it shows me that that is a potential path for transforming dogmatism and fanaticism in our world as well. And, and I'd like to say just a little bit more about that. I noticed during uh, this political season, uh, during the lead up to the election and the events afterwards leading up to the inauguration, that when I would see certain uh, politicians uh, or hear certain politicians and their actions, that my mind would begin to close. Uh, and it would close uh, towards that person. Uh, and by closing, it didn't, um, my mind didn't necessarily shut the person out, but what it did was it began to um, my mind wanted to put this person in a particular category with a particular story and then just leave that person uh, there and not do any more uh, investigation or, or action with them. And interestingly, there was a correlation uh, between when my mind closed, I felt my uh, body close. I felt less connected uh, to my body. And part of that was mediated through this time of body practice that, that just naturally came about, I think, um, because so many other uh, avenues of engagement uh, were minimized for our family uh, because of being home uh, so often and not uh, engaging much outside of outside of the home. Um, and when my body closed up, um, I felt uh, my heart uh, close up as well. So there was this deep, um, deep parallel that I would see a person, see a politician, uh, see someone that I didn't agree with, 
and watch uh, my mind first. Uh, it seemed to happen first with my mind, or at least that's where I noticed it first, where I, I would close off uh, to that person, where I would pigeonhole them, uh, box them. Then I noticed the constriction in my body, and then I noticed the constriction um, in my heart, in my capacity to, to be compassionate. And it just happened so quickly, and it was very subtle. Um, but at the same time, uh, it was very uh, profound and very obvious. And so that closed mind and closed heart enclosed body. When that would come about uh, on my better days, not every time, but on my better days, I would first open my body. Um, I would find that place of stability, notice the constriction, and just invite openness uh, to be there. And when I did that, uh, I noticed um, first my heart would open and I would feel uh, tenderness or compassion towards the person. And then when that came, then my mind opened and I was able to uh, uh, engage a little more thoughtfully with uh, curiosity about why does this person think that way? What must be happening? Uh, for this person? Why do I not see this way? Uh, what is it about my story, my causes, my conditions that makes me see the world in a particular way? And those uh, kind of heartfelt questions would come about. And that uh, constriction of body, mind, and heart was also a um, form, I think, of dogmatism, of uh, perhaps not fanaticism, but uh, certainly uh, fanatically attached to a story um, about a person, about a group of people. Um, and I know that uh, when a particular when a view when a, our worldview is challenged uh, by other people, uh, either by their actions or by their words, our bodies uh, don't really perceive that as any different than a physical threat, um, and so we begin to mount uh, a physiological response, which I think is where some of that constriction would come from. So first, I would feel it in my in my mind where, oh, I don't like what that person's saying. And then I would have this uh, physiological um, fight or flight response uh, to that situation. Uh, and it, it, repeating that cycle over and over and over eventually um, would lead me to very without any hesitation to just assume that I know what that other person is or what that other person thinks or why that other person is acting in the way that they are. On a very small scale uh, here in our family, because we're together a lot, uh, 
we have a lot of uh, reactivity with one another where small things are perceived as being loaded with intention, uh, being loaded with uh, more meaning than perhaps they are. And so uh, I've had to do a lot of backpedaling where I'll say something like, uh, oh, I, you just did this. And it's like, well, no, I didn't. And, and, and then um, because I'm so uh, dogmatically attached to my version of the story, it takes a lot of effort uh, to let that go. I've had the experience before where somebody has, in the family, has shared what, what their experience was, and, um, and I just deny it. <laughs> I just say, no, that's not what happened. I know better, because <laughs> uh, I saw it, right? I saw what happened through this lens. And um, fortunately, uh, we have uh, some room and space to work on those, uh, work on those pieces. But, it happens in our family system, it happens in our political system. And this uh, practice, this engagement of openness with each other, with ourselves, and with our political system is the only way I think that we can transform dogmatism and fanaticism. There are people uh, who uh, will not change, um, and that's okay. But there are many, many other people who uh, will engage and will wish to uh, engage. We, a Sangha friend in another Sangha uh, was describing writing to legislators and uh, engaging in a practice of what uh, Thich Nhat Hanh calls writing love letters to our legislators. Love letters in the, uh, in the way that first we connect to the person and the suffering and then speak to that uh, rather than uh, speaking to uh, behavior or, uh, or interaction. And this person said that the response from the legislator was, there are many points that I disagree with you on, but your letter was very refreshing to read. And that, I think, um, that is a, a, a gift of, of openness uh, to that person because this uh, legislator was reading this, this letter and rather than uh, having um, the legislator's mind constrict and the heart constrict and the body constrict, there was, a, there was an opening. And had that been done in person, there could have been room for exchange, uh, for understanding, not just uh, for changing the legislator's mind, but for a two-way understanding uh, to gain um, gain depth of seeing clearly into what the person is experiencing, what the person's suffering is, what the person's fears are. It's a very, very powerful practice. When I work in the hospital, and I, particularly when I am called to 
respond to a, a, a trauma uh, that comes in uh, or a very difficult uh, situation. This uh, practice of body awareness is uh, critical because it puts my body, uh, if I can find the stability in my body, when I hear the, the difficulty from the, either from the patient or from the patient's families, I can empathize, I can feel the pain, but it, it can move through. It doesn't stick around. I don't try to push it. Um, I often will put a hand on my heart just to gather myself and to allow myself to feel it. And then, um, and then I can settle into my body and settle into that place. And it offers that gift back to uh, that person where uh, the patient or the family then can benefit from uh, from my feeling of stability, uh, from my feeling of, uh, of calm in the body so that their bodies can calm and that they can have permission to feel what it is they need to feel. Because when those, when those powerful feelings, the grief, the fear, the anger, when those come up, uh, having permission to let them be in the body is a real gift uh, to give both to ourselves and to other people, to not push away other people's feelings and experiences. And so I don't want to say that the fear that I experience right now in our political system and in the divisiveness that we all see so clearly that fear, some of it is real. There is real danger for people, uh, for ourselves. I think of uh, the legislators, uh, the national legislators who were in the Capitol during, uh, on January 6th when the uh, insurrection started and just the, the real bodily fear that they must have experienced and then to go back that night uh, to continue certifying the election. And then to hear uh, the president-elect uh, Biden say publicly that this is not who we are. It actually broke my heart when he said that. because those people who thought that uh, what they were doing was the right thing to do were already afraid and suffering. And then to be told that uh, that's not who we are, just further alienates, uh, alienates those people, alienates their, alienates them from the people that they already feel alienated from. It just, uh, it hurt because it felt like it created more division uh, in the moment. And I absolutely understand the sentiment to say that we are uh, 
Um, we have the capacity to be better than this. Um, but that's not, I think, what the how the message was received. Because we, we are people who fight. We are people who are afraid. We are people who sometimes think that violence is uh, a way of getting what we want. And I think maybe a, a better question uh, could have been, inst instead of saying this is uh, not who we are, maybe it would have been a time to reflect and say, why are we all suffering so much right now? Because I think that is, uh, that is where the heart of the question is. That's where the heart of these issues are. People are suffering, whether they're suffering for real or perceived things is not, um, It's not uh, helpful to uh, malign, but it is helpful to ask ourselves and ask our nation where the suffering is. Where is the suffering? Because we are all suffering. So coming back to our bodies, coming back to our our hearts, our tenderness, coming back to our compassion and our love, and coming back to our deep, deep desire to end suffering. Now, it can be a, a very powerful guide uh, for how to step forward when things feel overwhelming, when things feel when things feel so out of our control. Our minds and our hearts don't like uncertainty. And that's one of the reasons that it's so easy to close, to close our minds and our hearts when we see things that we disagree with. Because when I can pigeonhole a person, when I can pigeonhole a group of people and I can put these boundaries around them in this box. And then I have a feeling of certainty. I can, uh, I can rest on my story and on, on that feeling of being certain. Openness asks us to rest in uncertainty, uh, to rest in unknown, to not know the answers, and to continue to step forward with our whole bodies, our whole hearts, our whole minds, our whole compassion, and our whole desire to end suffering. Thank you.